0: This is The New Digital Customer, a podcast that brings you insightful and inspiring conversations with customer-focused leaders who are transforming and innovating customer experience. And now your hosts, the CEO and Chief Product Officer of Brightloom, Adam Brotman and Ben Straley. Hey there, Adam. How's it going? Hey, Ben. Good to be on the show with you again.
1: Yeah, likewise. I'm excited. Uh, we've got a great guest today. Uh, he is a, a friend that I've known for about 20 years, uh, Dominic Engels, who's the CEO of Stone Brewing, Brewing and a uh, customer-obsessed uh, leader in his own right. So, uh, Dominic, welcome to uh, the podcast. It's really great that uh, you could spend uh, some time with us today.
2: Certainly. Hey, Adam. Hey, Ben. Good to good to chat. I'm um, yeah, excited, excited to have you here.
1: Yeah, so so Dominic, uh, I know you pretty well, but I, I think uh, the audience probably would would love to hear about your background and uh, uh, what you are doing uh, today with uh, Stone Brewing. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your your journey?
2: Yeah, I'm a, a consumer guy for sure. I've been you know all over the consumer products landscape from hard goods to soft goods to consumables to retail, mostly on the um, on the manufacturer side, but I did uh, run through—I um, call it finishing school at McKinsey and Company, and, uh, and of course, um, got my MBA at Kellogg. And um, I found myself for the last four years at Stone Brewing, as you guys mentioned.
1: Yeah, and um, uh, I know you've done—you've done a lot of really uh, innovative work um, for a number of different brands, uh, both at Stone, but also prior to Stone. And we were talking the other day and you were describing some of the work that you had done with Palm and, and Wonderful. And tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, some of the more recent work is probably really relevant to what we're talking about um, is uh, I used to run marketing for uh, Wonderful Pistachios and Almonds. So um, Wonderful Pistachios is now a billion dollar brand at retail. Um, I started that brand with the team at, at, uh, at Wonderful back in 2008, nine, And then um, most recently at the Wonderful Company, I worked there for about 11 and a half years in total. Uh, I ran Palm Wonderful, which uh, folks may know for the funky shaped bottle in the you know, juice in the produce aisle, but also um, has a great fresh fruit business. And uh, in both cases, those were international or if not global businesses. And, um, and, you know, really the kind of the thread that's led me from wonderful to stone is uh, is really working with founders and high growth companies. And, and that's sort of uh, the truism there, along with um, really powerful brands, either creating really powerful brands or or amplifying uh, brands that already exist and really developing uh, deeper connections with consumers.
1: And you've, you've, um, as a part of the, the work and, and the leadership that you've you've been involved with. You know, you've uh, you've done some really interesting things that sort of bridge the offline and online worlds. And um, uh, tell us a little bit about the kind of early social media work and user-generated content uh, work that you had done. Uh, I think it was as part of the um, uh, Palm brand.
2: Uh, yeah, well, both, both with Palm and with pistachios. we talk about pistachios first. I think, you know, I'm probably in, uh, in the camp that I'm in generally, at this point, probably calling myself a little older than most. And <laughs> I lived in a...
0: Uh, I know a that pre, feeling.
2: A, pre, a pre-digital world, you know, let's say, before it's really taken over, lived through a couple of bubbles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, I've never run a business that's been digital first. So. Right. All- that I've been involved with were really um, physical businesses that ended up trying to adapt elements of their business to a digital landscape. And so, um, you know, in the case of pistachios, it's pretty interesting, but um, we had this really uh, interesting business situation where there was a food recall on pistachios as a category. And we used that moment to start really formally advertising and going from sort of a trade brand to really a consumer brand, and we did. Uh, we, we enlisted some D-list type celebrity types like Snooky and Levi Johnston, who, if you recall, was Sarah Palin's yeah uh, baby daddy. Um, you know, <laughs> but we really kind of um, you know tried to try to do some crafty things with our television, which we'd never done before. And yeah. On top, of it, we also asked. Um, amateurs and professionals alike to create a commercial and you really leverage UGC, user-generated content uh, and we got over a thousand commercial submissions and the winner of that contest got to have their uh, commercial broadcast as part of our battery of television commercials for that campaign. Wow. You know, We had spots on the Super Bowl and, and doing much bu- bigger scope things but, but UGC and, and digital connectivity was always a big part of um, how we wanted to build a wonderful pistachio brand. Fast forward to Palm, Palm's a little different. It certainly had um, made a lot of headway with consumers through, I'd say, traditional advertising. But what was interesting at Palm was we realized we had super deep, loyal consumers. And um, when I was there, we were figuring out how to connect more directly with them through, uh, call it a loyalty program or some kind of a direct subscription program so that folks could get juice or palm pills delivered to their front door. And this was in, uh, I'd say, 2015. And even then, the infrastructure around coal delivery to the home, I mean, it was starting to show up uh, with Amazon Fresh and the like in some of the larger areas, but it was still a challenge. Um, Was it still a challenge back then? It's obviously improved. But we really wanted to figure out how we could take the loyalists within the palm brand and Um, and activate them digitally. So not just the subscription piece, not just get them on the loyalty program and figure out ways using social to celebrate, you know, maybe what their health wins are, how they're experiencing, you know, better health through Palm and using it as a way to share those experiences or gift those experiences to others. So that was the ideas we were trying to put in place then. But again, really a non-digital business migrating
0: Can I ask a question on that? That's super interesting. So uh, what was it a meaningful percentage of your business was done directly with the consumer at Palm Wonderful? No,
2: no. So, I mean, in both cases, but, you know, just taking Palm here um, in terms of the wonderful cases, uh, we weren't doing a ton, but we, you know, we say we had probably a thousand subscribers to our pills business, which gives some indication we've done some. Uh, that we had some loyalists out there. And then we also um, had, did a lot of business at Costco with a 60-ounce uh, product that we, we sold there. And we knew that we had uh, folks that were really into our, our product but um, probably would buy more if it was um, sort of regularly delivered to their house because that's how we, we preached since, you know, the mid-2000s about that particular. Right. Thing. You need to drink it every day. It's not like you have it once a week and you enjoy the health benefits. You have to drink it every day.
0: Did you, did you use, even if, even if it was a small percentage of your business, did you get a lot of good insights and like, did you feel more connected to your customers through that, that digital surface area that you started to develop direct to the consumer? Even if it, even if it wasn't a big revenue part of your business, did it, did, did you find there were other benefits as a marketer to just engaging with your customers that way, either learnings or whatever? Yeah. I mean,
2: I, I think there was a lot more to do on that dimension. I mean, we were just, just figuring it out, to be honest, and, Yeah. you know, um, really in that stage of like more logistics focused and sort of harvesting the insights. Yeah. It's really important to me about it is, is, you know, you can go from like that sort of hygienic mentality of just get the product to the person to, okay, next level is, can we talk to them about new products? Can we, you know, right. we talk, about referrals, can we do you know, do some of those next level things? I think there's even a third level, and that's um, emotionality. And um, that's something that I really believe uh, strongly in is what creates real brands is an emotional connection, right? And so, for, for me, I was you know, I, I left a join Stone, but at the time, I was really pushing how do we get more emotionally charged um, transactions, if you will, um, you know, by definition, probably not transactions, but more relationships. How do we get emotional relationships? Um, going because that's, that's really the, the Holy grail in my mind is the emotional piece. Totally
1: agree. That, that, that makes tons of sense, Dom. And, and so um, you've been with stone now for about four plus years. Is that right? Yeah. Right around four years. Yeah. And so, and so how has, you know, the, the, the experience and the the lessons learned and, and some of the things that you've talked about, already. How has that sort of informed your approach to, to the work you're doing with Stone? And tell us a little bit about uh, Stone Brewing.
2: Yeah, so um, just as by way of background, Stone's the ninth largest craft brewer in the United States. We're independent. Uh, we're not uh, you know, associated with any big brewer. Um, and uh, what makes Stone unique is that not only are we a brewer, but we're also a distributor and a hospitality operator. And when I say hospitality, we operate two of the largest by volume and square footage restaurants in San Diego County. We also have a network of tap rooms. We also have a, a nice restaurant brewery up in Napa, California. So we've got some hospitality. We're the largest independent craft beer distributor in the United States. So we distribute all over Southern California with more than hundred trucks. And then, and then of course we're a brewer. And as a brewer, we operate two breweries, our original location, new brewery, same general area, North County, San Diego in in Escondido, California. And then we have a new brewery uh, we opened in 2016 in Richmond, Virginia. So we have one on each coast. And the primary reason there is as we've grown, we've needed to add another brewery, but also by having a brewery on the other coast, we um, were able to get fresh beer to uh, to everybody in the United States in a meaningful way. So um, Stone's a kind of a big little company in that it's um, it's got these three distinct businesses that make it up, and it's about 24 years old. So again, predates sort of the the digital rise. And so uh, similarly uh, to you know my comments about wonderful pistachios and palm wonderful at Stone, you know it's been more of you know stepping through the garden and figuring out which you know shiny rocks of digital activation we want to we want to put in our pocket, and uh, knowing that we can't can't do everything.
0: Prior uh, prior to COVID, which we're going to get into in a second, can you tell us a little bit about? uh, So you know, going all the way back, which was another lifetime to like February, um, yeah. And and you know, a day in your a day in the life of Dominic and Stone Brewery in terms of digital engagement with your customers. You you had some e-commerce through your site to ship beer in California uh yep. you you, uh, you know what else what else like give us a sense of like what else were you doing digitally at that point yeah. and, we'll, and then we'll yeah. talk about where you are now sure sure sure
2: so um pre-covid you know it's called february 2020 the state of uh, the union as far as digital went was um we have, of course have a website that folks can go to an own company website if you live in california we'll ship you beer we live anywhere in the world, we'll ship you merchandise, glasses, t-shirts, all kinds of the trappings, michelada mix now, all kinds of cool stuff, but non-alcoholic stuff. Uh, we of course have, you know, Amazon and third-party sellers out there doing some, some small stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I would also add in there that we have a, a cool tool on our website called Beer Finder, which we've spent a lot of time developing, which is where we take, you um, sales data into retail and we populate it into this beer finder we sell a lot of different beers at stone and so it's really helpful for our fans to be able to go to beer finder and say where can i get that latest release i mean oh, this will spit out a bunch of on-premise so bars restaurants um hotels or off-premise uh you know retailers that have that beer and it's you know updated daily so it, it's generally pretty darn accurate and it, and it gets used quite a bit um, and then we had, uh, you know, a hospitality business. And at that time, we we'd um, pioneered in fall of 2019 um, this uh, idea of GoTab, and GoTab was this um, was this uh, web-enabled platform that allowed us to do wireless ordering, and allowed our consumers, our fans, our guests at our large restaurants wireless ordering from anywhere on the property. So to give people a Kind of a quantitative example we got about 70,000 square feet at our restaurant in um, in downtown San Diego and Point Loma called Liberty Station and uh, in, in order for servers to come come and ask you what you want to drink and then go back and get it you know you might never get served and, and GoTab was a solution that our head of hospitality came up with as a way to uh, wirelessly order and get served in these nooks and crannies. You know, you might be in Adirondack hidden behind a bush and, and now you can, <laughs> you know, having to hail a server or carry it to the chair from the bar, that kind of thing. So we, we dabbled across the spectrum. And I think the last thing is worth saying is I think only Corona at this point has more Instagram followers than stuff. So wow. that's, wow. Bud Light, Heineken, you know, uh, I mean, we might be neck and neck with Heineken, but like Bud Light, Bud, you name yeah. it, all other beer brands, craft or otherwise, have less. So we have a digital, really active digital, digital followership. I, you know, our engagement's somewhere between four and 5%. I mean, really, really nice digital footprint. A lot of organic acquisition, by the way, of those followers. So um, we've got a digital followership. We've dabbled across the spectrum, but I wouldn't say by any means, in February of 2020 digital was a plank of uh, our growth strategy.
0: Wow, okay so you got okay so just to just to build on that so year it's February 2020 you've got this amazing social media ca- capability set through your Instagram uh, presence you've got You've started to implement GoTab, uh, touchless wireless ordering in the in your hospitality settings, and you've and by the way had you implemented that everywhere? Like it was physically, yeah. So you you had sort of set the foundation for GoTab uh, in a world where maybe a small percentage of people were using it, but growing, but it wasn't a major thing at that point. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, I mean it's a tiny company. We're their largest customer. I mean yes. we. we We've broken them several times in their scale. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's great. So you, so I get it. So you, you have this, you you and GoTab are being really innovative about like that capability set in February, but it's not the major way people are ordering in the, in the hospitality settings. You got your Instagram, you got your beer, your beer locator, beer finder capability set. You've got uh, some merch and some beer e-commerce capabilities. Um, and then, uh, and by the way, at that point, you know you're um are you just to get into your head are you thinking about at any point when when you wake up in the morning in february before covid are you thinking about like digital metrics or not really you're just like hey i've got these capability sets but i'm i'm a huge distributor i'm a huge hospitality provider like digital is, I got these capabilities. But are, are you thinking about KPIs in your head? Are you thinking about like how many digital customers do I have? How many? I mean, outside of maybe how many Instagram followers? Like, what are your digital KPIs, or if any?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it, and and broadly that way, the, the one that I probably watch the most, believe it or not, so I, uh, is um, our Instagram followership. We have a lot of followers on Facebook too and YouTube and,
0: and right,
2: uh, yeah, Twitter and the like. But but I really watched Instagram because we had high engagement um, we were accruing new followers and we and we just get lots of consumer insights so I felt like it was a way for me to kind of connect with consumers and f- figure out what's going on so that's that was my number one digital thing I was always a champion of like hey we've got a head of digital she's working on making our website better and you know we're going through an upgrade on the system we use to serve up our website great you know I've right sort of a set of hygienic things I was always, you know, encouraging the team to do, but the the percent of our business was, was fractional. And um, you know, there's just bigger fish, bigger fish to fry. And then as far as hospitality goes, yes, we were doing GoTab, but we were thinking like, Oh, Hey, maybe we can add 5% more sales to our, our large restaurants. If we can activate these, you know, hard to reach areas and we can collapse the amount of cycle time from order to beer. You know, if you can get the first beer, then you're gonna get another beer and, and yeah, beer two beers in a in a customer yeah. is a big deal. So that's how I was kind of thinking about even that piece was an incremental kind of change and, and way to kind of, like I say, utilize our space better. Um, but all I would say you know, not part of the one pager that captures our three year strategy as a company, right?
0: yeah, totally. Yeah, we used to, in fact, it's funny. You remember, Dominic, you reminded me of when Ben and I were at Starbucks and we were rolling out mobile order and pay the first time, for the first time, we went to China, for example, and we did a digital summit in China with our China team. And one of the, you know, they would say, remember, China was very different than the US for coffee. No. China. China was not a morning coffee time. They were an afternoon coffee time. So their peak was in the afternoon and you couldn't find a seat. At a, at a Starbucks. So they had a very instance in, in the U S the issue that one of the issues we were trying to solve is, you know, not having people have these big long lines in the morning and how could they order ahead and skip the line in, in China and Asia, the, the bigger issue was, man, these places are just packed and they're just sitting at these tables. And it was a big issue. Like, how am I going to get a table? Which is a very, yeah. like, that was just not a thing that was on the mind of most U S uh, Starbucks customers. And so do you remember, Ben, we used to talk about like, oh, they, we can get what they called second order. Like we can get yeah. a second order. Like like they could not have to leave their table because if they left their table to go order, they they could lose their place at their table and what were they going to do? So Dominic, you're were, you were giving me a flashback to like, you're right, like there is in your, I can totally picture like this GoTab thing could be like, oh, they don't have to like leave the Adirondack, hail somebody. Like they're more likely to do that second order, that third exactly. order. So. So then, so then, so now, but then March hits and the pandemic hits and, and, uh, a a lot of your customers are restaurants that are getting, that are getting kegs shipped to them. Right. And a lot of your, and your hospitality route so you, you are majorly impacted by COVID and the pandemic. So can you walk Ben and I through, and Ben, I promise I won't keep dominating the questions here. Can you walk, can, can you walk Ben and I through. What happens in March in April, and how does that how does that affect your business? But more importantly, like now, what what happened with digital?
2: Yeah, so um, you know it was really a tale of two halves to March. You know, the first half of March was normal. Second half of March wasn't, and um, you know it was sort of like uh, train cars all buckling, you know, on the on the train tracks and starting to jump off. You know, and so fortunately, our business was deemed essential by the government. That was a big deal for us. You know, obviously, the safety of our employees was also kind of at the center of this. But, um, you know, winding our way to what we're talking about here today, you know, Stone has a thousand employees of which probably half of them, no, not half, a third of them are hospitality employees. And so, uh, you know, first we, we, we took the decision that, hey, we're going to employ them, uh, for a while here while we figured this out, because there was a lot of, um, uh, businesses just going from operational to completely dysfunctional in a short period. Yeah. So we did that. And, um, and we, you know, we basically tried to figure out how we could do delivery and curbside pickup, which was where everything was navigating to. And, um, and we tried to figure out how we could keep our kitchens moving because the volume of uh, delivery and curbside pickup was low, but it allowed us to maintain some employees. Um, but we went from hundreds of employees to tens of employees, just to give you a sense for how, how things changed. We just um, got thrust really into an, a new way of operating, whether we like it or not. I'm sure everybody's Heard enough podcasts at this point about how there's been a serious dislocation and reset. And you know, this has driven a lot of change in behaviors, likely to never revert backwards. But we experience that most pointedly in our hospitality business. And so um, we'd done a little bit, DoorDash and a little bit of Grubhub, um, but we were now doing a lot of of uh, those things. And we were um, doing more outbound advertising about it. And we were trying to come up with new menu items that would address folks staying at home. So instead of, you know, a serving, it was like, how about a whole sheet of Mac and cheese, you know, so that you can buy something and then eat it for three days in a row, or you can feed your family. We were using it to help first responders. We were using it to feed the families of stone employees. We were using it and we, we cut our prices effectively in half on our, on our stuff. So we weren't even really, we were not even close to making any money, but we wanted to keep, keep rolling. And we were kind of thrust into this digital relationship with our fans as a result of that. Now, I thought it was pretty interesting. Even one of our um, really creative ideas was, um, if you're following restaurants at all, one of the big things out there right now are these ideas of ghost We We created a, effectively a ghost kitchen. We experimented with you know, sub-branding, um, uh, a whole food offering around Arrogant Bastard, one of our oldest, most uh, famous beers. And, you know, fried chicken concept and just different barbecue concept, different things like that to to catalyze interest. I think what was really interesting about all of that was going back to what I said about emotionality is beyond sort of trying new things and setting up new activities. We built, you know, emotional connections with people because of that, because it was an emotionally charged period, right? Especially at the beginning of this. And we were there to help. And I think that was super powerful. I think, it, and I think it was helpful in San Diego for sure. I think it was even more helpful, believe it or not, in Napa. Um, you know, for us, we're a relatively new restaurant in Napa. It's only a couple of years old, and this really thrust us into the community in a much more pointed way than hey, there's a new restaurant in town. Now we were really serving uh, more needs for them and making it easy for them and getting people food, and 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 people appreciated that. So in some ways, it was a a catalyst for the relationship between the communities and the restaurants in different different ways.
0: That's super interesting. Uh, you know, before you talk about what happened with GoTab, because I'm, you know, you were, as we were talking to you to prepare for the show, you were giving us a little bit of a heads up of how that has like radically gone from a small percentage of your business to I, at the restaurants and hospitality to, I think, a hundred percent of the business. It's but, virtually hundred percent, you know, yeah. um,
2: maybe like the Grubhub and
0: DoorDash can't use GoTab but everything else. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, yeah. hundred percent of the, of the business of people eating on premise there. Yeah. And, um, but before, I want to talk about that in a second, but before we do that, do you, when you, that's a fascinating time. So you're harking back to like, it's April, uh, you're having to be creative. You're having to worry about the your, your employees that you that can't work. You're having to worry about your employees' safety that are working. You're experimenting with ghost kitchens. You know, Governor Cuomo, in New York's on the TV every morning. We're, I mean, like I re- we all lived collectively through those days, and we're still in it a little bit uh, to say that. Yeah. But, but you did all that creative stuff around the emotional connection with your customers, as you mentioned, has any of that stuck? Meaning are you still doing some of those things or, or, or did some, did anything come out of that that you think will live on for stone forever?
2: Definitely. I think in all cases, I mean, I think the fact that we were you know serving meals to firemen in San Diego was a big deal. And we yeah. forget that. I think that, you know, us taking big cuts in our pricing to just make sure people had had, you know, maybe, had tightening wallets, were able to afford food, you know, and working a lot at the same time. I think that was great. I even think the Napa example is a further example of that where we've seen more robust connection with that community Community sort of now that we're out of that more acute phase um, because of how we how we performed during that time. I um, also, I think, you know, let's face it, our physical plants in, in Liberty Station, Escondido, and Napa are all largely outdoor which again is like, you know, dying in, but dying out, you know, I mean, yeah. you have to, you don't have to be indoors. And that's a huge physical advantage um, that a lot of folks didn't have. But there's a, and then, and then, you know, and then the go tab piece, which we can get to here. I mean, just layered on top of that, that enabling technology already kind of what the kinks worked out or most of them was, you know, a, a master
0: I'm fascinated by that. You know, the, the, um, so here you are, you have a, so, so Ben and I like to talk about the digitization of the consumer. We, we will literally talk at Brightloom at our company about like, oh, what percentage of your customer base is digitized? And what we mean by that is what percentage of your customer base has an account with you of some sort, a loyalty account, an e-commerce account, an ordering account, and then where they've, they've engaged with you and ordered from you digitally, and then uh, you have the ability to communicate with them after the fact, uh, with the knowledge of how they how they engage with you digitally. I mean that's the digitizing of the customer. Um, you went from a, I'll call it, in, 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 let's just stick with the hospitality. For hospitality, you went from a, you know maybe a ten percent, twenty percent at max digitized customer to n- now today with the way you're doing it, maybe close to a hundred percent digitized customer. Um talk a little bit about what happened how that works and 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 what's happening there. Well,
2: I mean, you got the magnitude, right? So, um like all soaking wet, I think our business year to date in e-commerce to start there is up like 375% or something like that. So, it's, you know, it's on, it's on a rocket ship and it's and there's no signs of letting up, but that's, you know, let's call it 1% of of our brewery sales or something. It's not it's not very significant. But all of a sudden we took our entire uh, hospitality business which is effectively like 10% of our business and made it digital. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of mind-blowing to think about how it took this giant leap that we would have never done without this uh, precipitating, you know, catalyst moment that that is the the virus. But what it's done is it's totally flipped our, our orientation. So like I said, we've probably broken or come close to breaking the system several times. And we've really partnered with this, this company, GoTab, to help them get better because frankly, as their largest customer, we're really dictating a lot of their development work and enhancements. And I would say GoTab, as contemplated pre-virus, was simply a, a, an ordering utility, right? Now, with 100% of our activity in our restaurants going through that, now it's not just an ordering platform, by the way, that's got to work better and better and better and be more intuitive, 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 all that good stuff, but it's an experience platform. And so, you know, we're, we're trying to push into like, well, let's get our brewers talking about our, our beers and romancing our beers. So when a consumer orders, they're already armed with, oh, it's citra hops. It's uh, highly bitter. It's this ABV, you know, it's this color, uh, when you pour it in the glass, this much foam, you know, we can get all those de- rich details in there for the geeks Um, and, uh, or, we know, we have an anniversary coming up. Here's a message from our co-founders. There's all kinds of rich video to add to the experience when they're in the restaurant. And then on top of that, back to kind of building these relationships and and charging them with emotionality, it's, you know, after they've left, we've, we've, we've trapped their, their email, which by the way, right now, the way um, it's set up, we've gotten about only 15% of our transactions basically have given us their email. Only 15%. Mm. When I asked uh, the team about this the other day, well, they haven't even given those email addresses, though, to marketing yet. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we're just literally accruing all these emails, but we haven't even performed, like, how many do we already have? How many are new? You know, so again, I I, I wouldn't say by any stretch we are, um, you know, Six Sigma total state-of-the-art operators on these things. I love the catalyzing moment that we're in right now where we've been kind of thrust into really making it happen and asking ourselves these questions and, you know, step by step, improving these things.
1: Yeah, that, um, you know, the just listening to you tell the story, Dominic, it, 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 what is clear to me is that, um, you know, in your career, there is a consistent thread of creativity and innovation um uh, at the brand level uh, customer experience and I'm curious you know given given this crisis um, that emerged in March you know how did how did you and the team kind of come together to innovate as quickly as you have and um, uh, you know capture learnings and 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 take those learnings and apply them to the next thing that you're going to try and was that was that a culture change or did that culture already exist with the company and it was just kind of tapping into it. Like how, how do you do this innovation so quickly?
2: Well, um, our business has been hard for a couple of years <laughs> heading into heading into the virus. And I think that either puts you on the balls of your feet, if yeah. you've responded to those challenges or it puts you on the heels of your feet. And, um, fortunately, you know, craft beer was the darling of beer for 10 years, you know, just growing in an unbridled way. So, you know, there's 10,000 or approaching 10,000 new breweries in the craft breweries in the United States between one's already in existence and one's applying. I mean, it's just this explosion. And there had been, I would say, a lot of um, accidental success in the yeah. end. And I think, you know, we recognize that a lot of our success wasn't necessarily because we would made great choices, but because we've been, you know, really good at product or at beer in this case, making great beer. And being good at that emotional connection with consumers, I, I call Stone the Harley Davidson of, of craft beer. It really has a, a irrational, emotional connection with people because we're so ardently independent. Um, I, I, I challenge any brewery to say that they have more tattoos on bodies than, than <laughs> you know, just ridiculous amounts of ink out there. People want to really brand themselves.
1: It's and another I, KPI.
2: Yeah, it is a KPI. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 un, it's unreal. And so, um, you know, the great emotional connection and the recognition a couple years ago that we needed to work on our business put us on the balls of our feet coming into this. And then I think when you get into a, in, into an acute situation, I really do see it as kind of two paths. Either you respond and rise up or you respond and, and fold up, you know, and um, it, it is almost that dramatic. And I think in the case of Stone, you know, we have good leadership. We have good connectivity good ways of meeting and talking and you know we went to daily meetings we went to um you know we talk every day as it was already for the last four years we we meet every morning for 10 minutes and and i think those types of pieces of connectivity um really allowed us to kind of hit the ground gracefully on the balls of our feet or as gracefully as possible on the balls of our feet and also challenge ourselves to say hey what can we do with our business we found for example, you know, we've been experiencing a challenging business environment for a couple of years as uh, all these new breweries came into existence that I mentioned. They were t- being, taking pieces out of stone, you know, yeah. uh, the local brewery with the fresher beer, the hazier beer, um, you know, the, the, the more artsy can, you know, the paper label on the can. Anything that made it feel more local and cool was beating us and, and taking a piece out of us. But what happened with the virus and the way people shopped is they went from shopping to buying. Instead of spending 10 minutes in front of the craft beer cooler and musing on what double IPA you were going to try that night, you went in with your mask on, your head down, you went straight for a 12-pack, not a six-pack, and you went for stone because you knew stone's been there for 24 years, it's totally solid. I don't have time to read the you know hop content of this you know, newfangled brewery, I don't know anything about, nor do I want to, uh, take $12 and risk it right now. (laughs) I want to take 17 bucks and buy a 12 pack of stone IPA. And so our business went up and we were in the camp of those trusted brands that experienced a surge. And, uh, you know, and we, we built on that with the kind of operational pieces that I alluded to in terms of how our team works together. And then on top of that, we just uh, dropped a $5 million campaign in Southern California this summer, of outdoor and digital, uh, talking to our fans. So not only are we just kind of resting on the laurels of being in a good position and experiencing some accidental tailwinds, let's say, because of the virus. We then said, you know what, on top of that, we need to actually go a step further and cement these gains, if not go further and and keep reminding people of Stone um, through through this time. And so we've gone even that much more on the offense,
1: and and so, yeah. yeah so where do you see things kind of for for stone uh broadly and and for the hospitality business um that you're in where do you see things going over the next 12 24 months i know we can't you know predict what's going to happen with a covid but you know what are the assumptions you're operating under and what do you what do you see happening over the next uh, year or two
2: yeah, I think uh, for us, you know, it's definitely take care of our backyard. And yeah. so, um, holistically, that means, you know, our business in Southern California, which represents about half of our business, um, that needs to be solid. And that needs to be solid across the beer, the distribution and the hospitality. So that's number one. Um, number two is, as it relates to hospitality, is I think, you know, hospitality was a source of profitability mm-hmm. before uh, the, uh, the virus you know, dwindling somewhat, but I think that's sort of to be expected with 10, 12-year-old restaurants, right? You know, just sort of nice, big, stable, um, big, stable restaurants. Uh, I don't see the, hot, the restaurants being a large source of profitability for us. I think we'll make money, but we won't make money like we did pre-virus. But where I do see it making it up for us is on the digital side. And that's just the frontier for us. So it's all of a sudden, we have all these transactions, all these people, all this patronage, all this activation—we um, need to look at our restaurants in a totally different way. So we need to look at it as a, a digital entry point for fans, uh, existing fans, new fans uh, to be, um, and then uh, we also, you know, just need to continue to kind of figure out how to make that a, a channel for us, you know, a, a media channel effectively, and, uh, and have it work for us in, in that respect. I do think it's also unlocked for us a new labor model, uh, you know. So I, we have servers that are putting twenty five thousand steps on and shift, you know, which I would kill the five thousand steps on every day, to be honest with you. But uh, these folks are working hard. Um, but there's less of that class of like I'm a server, I'm a runner, I'm a I'm the, you know everybody's working together. Um, there's less uh, server, you know, less folks, but they're pooling a, a nice uh, amount of tips. So there's a whole new kind of labor experiencing that's that's emerging that I think we'll need to continue to kind of perfect over the next couple years too.
0: That's super interesting because yeah, at, at again at Starbucks when we learned one of the lessons we learned and we were hoping to is when you can do mobile order and pay and add a digital ordering channel, it allows you to change your deployment. So you can our whole one of our goals that was internally facing but it ended up having a customer benefit is just being more efficient with deployment and throughput by by increasing the amount of orders that were through digital. Of course, the customer loved it because they had a convenience. I mean, so you're, you know, in, the, in your case, you're seeing that too, you're seeing, I mean, when you get to 100% digital ordering on premise, you not only made it better for the customer that now does not have to get up and wait and wonder if they can get a server, they can. So you get a better, you get more incremental revenue, they get a better experience, and in the process, you're changing your labor model. You're getting better throughput. I mean, it's. I mean, uh, it's funny. I'm gonna you're gonna laugh, but like this is like, I could talk about this all day with you. Like this is this is what you're talking about. The way your your story that you've told about from wonderful brands to Stone to the digital journey at Stone. Um, it is uh, you know th- this. I, I think this is going to be like a Hall of Fame episode, Ben. This this has been awesome. I'll <laughs> well, yeah, give yeah. my hats off to our head of
2: hospitality, Greg Fraser, who who he told me you know he liked his job before the virus, but he he loves his job right now because he's able to just pioneer so many pieces of innovation into the hospitality world that you know the the infrastructure before that was just so locked it was just going to be such a longer evolution process that to have this moment is and accelerate the change. He's having the time of his life.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I can't wait and and think about it, all that. And we haven't even, you know, I can't wait to have you on an episode or just talk to you even offline in a year from now or seven months from now or something where you're you know, you are taking advantage of all those emails and all of that surface area of digital relationship with your customers that you're going to be building up through this process. And hopefully we're out of a pandemic. And so your business can be thriving for other reasons, but yet you have, you've now built this new muscle. You've now built all these new capabilities. So uh, it's it's exciting to talk to you. Uh, Ben, you, Ben, I know we're getting close on time. Ben, did you have one last question you wanted to ask? And then maybe we wrap up.
1: Yeah, I just um, you know one of the things Dominic we like to do on these podcasts is we're talking to you know um, leaders that have big jobs and uh, um, a lot of responsibility, but also you know as as customers as folks that are you know going home and, and doing shopping for the family or ordering you know takeout or um, uh, as a as a customer would love to hear you know one or two examples of of brands, um, uh, that you, uh, uh, turn to, uh, that are doing a great job in this very, you know, crazy, uh, time of, of COVID.
2: It's a complicated answer, actually, it <laughs> it. Uh, but, uh, with all kinds of aspects to it, I don't know if anybody's doing a, a, a great job other than I find, you know, um, it's probably like everybody says, but Amazon to be terrifically reliable during this time. Yeah. And so I've sent more of my dollars through Amazon. So that that's number one. Number two is, I think um, for me, one of the cool things um, from my time in Belgium, actually, um, where Coleroo, one of the big warehouse uh, retailers there, had this collect and go model nailed. I love collect and go. And so Dick's Sporting Goods has yeah. this collect and go model. And now even with the store open, I still do collect and go. I just wheel in yep. some. In my back seat, and I'm gone. It's it's fantastic. So actually, not even into the home, but just that collect and go vehicle, I think is is a really great innovation. I hope to see more of that. And then yeah. beyond, I uh yeah I um I bit of a clothes horse before the pandemic, and uh, you know I use these habits to kind of notice how things are changing. But I went from these you know buying things from Todd Snyder or buying things from Patagonia or buying things from Outer Known, and wait a second, I was like. I I don't even need clothes anymore. So the other thing that (laughs) like people's return processes (laughs) (laughs) was figuring out how to like uh, madness. I'm like, I I don't, I'm wearing the same thing every day for God's sake. Um, I I think returns have been another place that I've noticed, um, you know, uh, and I do like returning things at the UPS store versus returning things at the U.S. Post Office, so I kind of guide my choices based on that.
1: Yeah, it it is so interesting. I mean, a lot of the the things that we've talked about on this um, on this episode, um, I think are are uh, that generalize really uh, well across entire industries, like businesses, like like Stone and uh, the others that we're talking to, everybody is sort of experiencing these pressures and then responding in really interesting, creative, innovative innovative ways um, at scale. And that's the thing that I, that's one of the dimensions of what's happening right now that's so fascinating is how quickly these mega corporations or even big, big businesses like Stone are able to respond to these tectonic shifts in consumer behavior and technology in very, very rapid ways when they have to. Um so it's yeah been, uh, yeah go ahead Adam.
0: yeah, no, I was just gonna say just one th- final thought on that, which is interesting you know we at brightloom uh, at Ben in my company we you know like a lot of companies that are either software developers or you know with with 100 office workers, if you will, right we like we're we laugh in a, in, and we're proud of ourselves, but we're like we are we're building a company, we're building software. In our pajamas, right? We are like literally building to your point about like we're wearing the same thing every day. Like, I mean, yeah. we're kind of kind of half tongue in cheek when I say it, but I'm but probably not more than it's it's a reality. We're I can't believe that we're able to like market our co- our co- our company, sign up customers, uh, yeah. you know, build software, uh, engage in what we hope to be helpful, learning and thought leadership around podcasting, and we have not left our home, right? That is. Yeah. Uh, bill Gates was on CNN last night saying he, the biggest thing he thought that surprised him in the pandemic is that when they shut Microsoft down to nobody is a lot, nobody's been in the office essentially, essentially. And he was like, Oh, in classic bill way, he was like, God, that, that kind of worked out better than I thought. Like it, it really hasn't been a problem. Like you know, you're like, Oh, my, it's, it's fascinating. Right. And then yeah, the companies, companies are still getting bought. People. Yeah. are getting yeah. hired Yeah. yeah. And, and consumer And consumer brands are doing like, to Ben's point, I mean, look at what you're doing. Like it, it, I mean, none of us would have thought about it. You wouldn't, if you weren't forced to do it, you wouldn't have done it. uh, Not this fast anyways. And so it is, it is, it is something that we're going to look back on as being uh, something quite remarkable.
1: Dominic, it's been uh, so great to spend the better part of the last hour with you and really appreciate you taking the time to share your story with Adam and and me and the millions of listeners of this podcast. (laughs) So thanks again for all your insights and uh, your time. With that, we're going to wrap this episode up. Thanks, Dom. Thank you. See ya.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information on what Adam and Ben are building with their teams, visit brightloom.com and follow them on Twitter at Adam Brotman and at B Straley.